So our first two episodes this week kind of had to do with the NHL and NBA playoffs. But obviously, so much has happened, even in the last couple days since our last episode. So Matt's going to get us up to date on all of that action. Take it away, Matthew. Yes, absolutely. So many, so many things to talk about. There's UFC, Colby Covington, and Tyron Woodley are fighting this weekend. There's just, mm, sports are back. Sports are back. It's great. Let's start in the NFL last night. Thursday night football, Browns versus Bengals. Why did this game feel so important against two 0-1 teams, two franchises that have not been relevant in forever? But this Thursday night game, like everyone was like, yeah, we got to check this out. And I suppose it sort of makes sense. Same state, division rivals. But I think mostly we were. It, what's made it important was we were interested to see what the number one picks were going to do. You got Baker Mayfield, the guy who has shown some – Flashes of being a top NFL quarterback, but has also shown times where he makes some mind-boggling plays. And you got Jeff Joe Burrow, the new rookie, pretty solid in his first start against the Chargers, albeit in a loss. Could have gotten an overtime win if Mr. Duncan would have kicked the ball a little better. But yeah, I mean, I think that that breaks down why this was such a big one. And there's a lot to take away from this game. You know, I'm not going to jump. So many people were worried about the Browns. Week one, well, they played the team with the best record last year. Week two, they get to play the team with the worst record last year. So I hope it is going to look a little better. It certainly did, mostly because of that running game, though. You know, I think the, my biggest takeaway from that game was, yeah, Cleveland Browns are still a better team than the Bengals. But if I had to take one of those quarterbacks to be my quarterback of the future, I'm taking Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow looked far the better quarterback yesterday. At the same time, I think that's all Baker Mayfield may need to be, especially with the team they have. When you've got Nick Chubb and you've got Kareem Hunt, when you've got Jarvis Landry, when you've got OBJ, run the ball. Play action, and then you've got two of the best wide receivers in the league that you can go find. The the strategy is simple. They just want to make it too sexy, and they want to make it look all good. Just run the ball and let Baker Mayfield be an okay quarterback. He doesn't have to be the second coming of Tom Brady or Drew Brees or or anything like that. He can be just a fine quarterback, and with the people and the weapons you have around him, you can still get some good results. But as far as the quarterbacks go, I certainly thought Burrow looked better. What were your thoughts on Thursday Night Football, my man? Right, yeah. I, I definitely thought it's so funny because, of course, I get on here and I talk about how Baker Mayfield should just give up and he plays half decent. Uh, frickin' course, he plays half decent. I swear, some of those first passes, I was like, oh, he heard me. He's ready to play. He heard me and he wants to show it. But here's, on, the, here, yeah, here's, my, here's my thing. The difference between Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield in that game was not so... The, the depth, you know, the, the gap between them was not so big. But the problem is that it, it's not two rookies playing each other. It's one rookie playing a guy who's been in the league since 2018, right? So, I mean, they both made some rookie mistakes. You, you saw Joe Burrow hold on to the ball too long a couple times. And you saw Baker Mayfield throw that god-awful pick for no reason. I mean, just when they were like, could have put the game away. And it's just like Baker... You played as well as Joe Burrow tonight, but I still take Joe Burrow because that was Joe Burrow's second NFL game. You should be better. 
You shouldn't be making these mistakes anymore. So I still, jury's still out on him. But I agree. I totally agree. Did you see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt run on Thursday? I mean, the Browns can beat anybody with those two. They really can. Their defense is half decent, and those two can run through any defense. So honestly, grind the ball, give them both 20 touches a game, and then he can throw seven passes all for touchdowns if he needs to. That's really it. You don't need him to make more than that. Let's just be honest with ourselves. He is not an Aaron Rodgers. He is not a Russell Wilson that we thought he might be. You know, he's a Kirk Cousins. Let him throw the ball less and your team will go farther. If you want to make Baker Mayfield a great quarterback, your team's not going anywhere. If you want to be a good team, you've got the pieces there because your quarterback's half decent. Just don't make him throw as much. The play action worked perfectly. I mean, even on the pick that he had, there was an opening there. And OBJ, that's how he's going to thrive. Not by being double covered the entire time, by like a run game that's going to grind them in the ground. And all of a sudden, he's got single coverage. Jarvis Landry can have the third down if they need it. Honestly, it's a great. I mean, I. Play action makes a quarterback's life easy. Right, exactly. And they've got everything they need for it. Their offensive line did well. They've got two running backs who could be. You know, the top two rushers in the league, honestly, they was crazy watching them. I honestly, every time Kareem Hunt took the field, I was like, there goes Nick Chubb's job. And then Nick Chubb would come on the field and do something that took the job back. It's going to be so fun watching them. And I'm sure that next year someone will get another one because the other one doesn't want to share touches anymore. But for now, you know, I was buoyed by what I saw at the Browns. I thought they played much better. You're right. Overreaction considering the Ravens were their first week opponent. And Joe Burrow looks good. I would be very happy about Joe Burrow. You know, he didn't he didn't play perfect. No rookie does, but he's got his things that he likes to do. You sh- he's has the affinity for the tight ends, which also always helps a quarterback. And you know, Boyd looked good. So I'm I'm excited for both of those teams. It did feel like a bigger game than it was for sure. But I wouldn't be worried by about Joe Burrow being 0 2. And you know, Baker Mayfield just has to realize, and I think the team has to realize that. What's going to make him great is him throwing less. They can't put it on his shoulders. He's the he's the fifth or sixth best player on that team and offensively. So he can't they can't act like he's the first. And that's just the truth there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's of course you want your number one overall pick to be the greatest thing ever, but he can still be a serviceable quarterback in a solid offense and not have to be this total playmaker like you. You don't need him to be, then don't ask him to be. Like make make everybody's lives easier. And then also, I mean, I think Baker Mayfield's the kind of guy that is he gets he's streaky. Like I like I think if you get him some games where you get him some openings in the play action game and he throws for three hundred yards or throws for four touchdowns, he's gonna come in the next game and play better. Like it, confidence is such an important part of Baker Mayfield's game that when he's feeling himself, he, he plays better. He just does like, he, like it's a, it's an impactful part of who the player he is. And it's a little volatile because then you can go down these, these valleys right now where he's not been playing well and the team's not playing well. And it's, you know, he's not out there having fun and talking shit like we know Baker Mayfield to do. But when you get the peaks, he can be, dynamic and I think that they just need to make it easier on him and then I think he'll play better at the same time like I think those two things are connected and and, you know to be fair to him it's what his fourth head coach in like three seasons so 
he's had a lot of turnaround, a lot of new offenses, a short off season for, for everybody this year. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's still hope for Baker and I think the future is bright for Mr. Joe Burrow. Let's make our way over to the NBA. Of course, tonight, game one, the Western conference finals. It's the surprise number three seed Denver nuggets going up against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. As for the Eastern conference finals game two last night, it's the Miami Heat, 106, Boston Celtics, 101. Defense, again, is the name of the game and just level-headedness. I mean, look, the Celtics are the more talented team. You got Jason Tatum. You got Marcus Smart. You got Jalen Brown. You got Kimba Walker. You got so many talented guys. But the Heat just play as a cohesive team. And even when the Celtics went up, the Heat didn't let them rattle. And then the Celtics, to be fair, did the same thing themselves. You know, I mean, this this has been a series two games in that although the Heat are up 2-0, it, if you watched both those games and didn't watch the last minute of each game and somebody was like, oh, hey, the Celtics are up 2-0, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that, I believe it. But just like game one, the block by Bam Adebayo, this game was really the game changer, was a defensive play. This time a steal by Jimmy Butler, just those quick hands to poke the ball into the Celtics' backcourt, and went and got them an easy layup. And, you know, that that Heat team, they respond by hu- with hustle plays like that. When they get those kind of plays, their whole team gains, gain, gains confidence. And I think Butler was 4 for 11 last night. Not a great day, but they don't rely on him. Duncan Robinson goes and hits six threes. Tyler Hero plays like he's with the confidence of Michael Jordan. Bam Adebayo, I will not stop hitting the Bam Adebayo drum because this guy is, I really liked him at Kentucky, did not think he was going to be anywhere near what he is in the NBA, but one of the most dynamic players. And Heater up 2-0. Celtics are certainly, certainly still in this game, or in this series, pardon me. But Heat are looking good, and this is another team, kind of like Baker Mayfield. You get this team confidence, and they'll start rolling. I mean, they're 10-1 and now in the playoffs, their lone loss being an overtime loss. But I know this isn't going exactly how Yannick would have written the Eastern Conference Finals. How you holding there? How you holding up there, my man? I mean, <clears throat> great. I mean, I like, of course, we're down 2-0, but, but in terms of being down 2-0 – those are both games that we could have and probably should have won. I mean, and and not because we're, you know, so much the better team. You know, we are, I think, have more talent, you know, on paper and stuff like that. But, you know, we started hot both games and we just let it go again. And you know what? It's it's just kind of the mentality of a Brad Stevens team. They're always talent, talented. They've always got grit. But now they need the professionalism to keep a lead. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, get it together get the lead like you've been and keep it. You know, they had so many chances, even when the heat were, were coming back to put it away. And it just kind of looked like, you know, they just didn't want to, like they were just, they were, they were happy with the heat coming back and making it a game. And it's like, yes, when you're in the trenches, you know, throw punches left and right all you want. But if you're up 17, go up 25 and finish it off. You know, you keep letting the heat come back. And once they're back within 10, it's, they're basically tied because they have that kind of confidence in themselves. So, you know, I think the way that they start hot, 
that's just what they have to do again. And they got to show some professionalism. They're down 2-0. They got nothing to lose. You know, if they go down 3-0, it's basically over. So just go out there, show that you're more than talent and grit, that you got the professionalism to keep a lead. But you're right. I mean, the Heat look great. They have so many playmakers. And they kind of remind me of a Pistons team in terms of, you know, they're just a good team. They don't need anyone to be on their A game for them to win. They can, they, they can have one person be good and, and everybody else makes up the slack. And I wouldn't be surprised if if they give whoever, if they make the finals, they give whoever comes out of that Western Conference a run for their money. But we'll see. 2-0, you know, the Celtics have not been in this position in the bubble yet, down 2-0. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go from here. They've always been up or kind of tied. So this will kind of show where the Celtics teams goes from here. I don't think that it's a make or break game for the franchise or the lineup they have per se. I think that they, you know, it's just going to be what it is. You know, they have to grow up a little bit. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they've been called these great prospects for so long for the last three years. And it's time for them to show that they're not just these young players on the rise, that they can actually lead a team as well. And Marcus Smart got mad in the locker room and I'm not, I'm not, I don't blame him even a little bit because he's been making the plays and he shouldn't have to. He's not the, he shouldn't have to be making those plays all the time. And so I, I think they just need to step up. And Brad Stevens is great at keeping an efficient team and he's great at keeping a team level headed. But now he's got a, he's got a light of fire under their ass. He really does. And I'll, it's, it remains to be seen whether he can do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's certainly one of, one of his, strengths is his ability to keep a team you know focused and not too high or too low but they're gonna need a little fire I mean I love I love to hear that and out of Marcus Smart and it's exactly the kind of player that Marcus Smart is that's I mean that's why he's got such a high basketball IQ he knows he knows his player I mean I I don't think Marcus Smart did that because Marcus Smart wanted to get mad I think Marcus Smart was like I need to motivate these guys Right, because I mean, at the end of the day, Jason Tatum and, and Mark and, and Jalen Brown are 22, 23 years old. So the time, you know, their time to to excel in these moments, it's not like it's lost by any means. But sometimes it's less about age and more just about experience. And they've been in these moments before. They battled LeBron in this moment before and showed up pretty well. I mean, that would Tate. It was Tatum's coming out party was the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron and the Cavaliers. So, you know, I, you, you just – you keep on wondering as you're watching them. You're like, all right, these extremely talented young guys, they've done it. It's, it's there, all the skill. But when are, when are you going to just take that next kind of step? Exactly. To really be the star that I think we all know they both can be. I mean, I've been – I used to be a way bigger Jason Tatum fan than Jalen Brown fan, but I've, I've loved watching Jalen Brown. And I think Jalen Brown has learned a lot from Marcus Smart. I think – for the Celtics, as we've seen in the first two game, games, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler making huge, huge defensive plays late in the game. I think that's what it's going to come down to in all these games. And can Marcus Smart, can Jalen Brown, can can one of them be the guy to make that play for the Celtics? That's what's going to be the difference. And and if this series continues or if the Heat roll right on to the NBA Finals. Yeah, absolutely. I think you just said it right there. They have to take the next step. It remains to be seen. If they don't take that next step, they won't beat this Heat team. They might grab another win, but the Heat will go to the finals because the Heat are ready for that. And it's mostly on the back of their leader, Jimmy Butler. And I love seeing them play. You know, I'm a Celtics fan, obviously, to the death, but 
I wouldn't be mad to see the Heat in the if if we're gonna get beaten by a team in this Eastern Conference, I I am I am reluctantly, you know, behind it being the Heat team, you know, because they're what the Celtics are striving to be right now. They just they can meet them there, but they're they are playing like the, what the Celtics want to play like and can play like. The Heat too. Um, I mean, if you're Giannis Antetokounmpo. Man, they look like an appealing franchise. Leave but, Milwaukee, Mike. Yeah, I mean, like, Jeez, it, like what? they look, they look real appealing. Like this is this is a hell of an audition, Miami and Pat Riley. Like you guys are, if you don't win this, the NBA Finals this year, you you may have won yourself some future ones if Giannis in, in the end comes down there. But also, the Miami Heat have taught me a lesson, which is to uh, believe in your hot takes. Cause I can't take any credit. If they make the finals, all I can be like, Oh yeah, it was, they were the, my sleeper when I should have just had some faith and said, they're going to make it, but there's still time. We're going to pivot on over to uh, sports that are currently going on before we get on over to the ice and make our Stanley cup predictions as my one hot take flames out. Yeah. R. Speaking R. of hot R. takes. R. That you R. R. <laughs> Islanders. Oh man. We'll get to there. All right. Anyway, first day of the U.S. Open. Extremely tough. Wingfoot. Going to be one of the toughest courses. It's the U.S. Open. People are going to plus tens all over. Not the case. Justin right. Thomas, five under. Three <laughs> players at four under. Three players at three under. Today, the tough wingfoot that everybody was talking about has appeared. The best score today belongs to Bryson DeChambeau. At only two under, he now sits atop the leaderboard. Oh, pardon me. He sits in second behind Patrick Reed, who went even for the day. So Reed, number one after two days at four under. Bryson DeChambeau, the best at the, of today at two under, sits in second at three under. And then three players, including yesterday's leader, Justin Thomas, sit at three under. So, after all the talk about how good that course was going to be the first day, they kind of just rolled right by it. But seems like the course came back with a vengeance today as only three players finished under par. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we knew it was going to happen. For, that happens. You know, people come out hot, and that can happen in any course. So, good, good for those players that came out hot yesterday. But winged foot. It does it never takes prisoners and the people that thought this was going to be easy it's not and i will never make a take in golf again after my takes before this us open started i mean i was dj and morikawa they're gonna finish so well they're out of the contention completely in my head i mean justin thomas i said has no chance he's up there bryson Samba, i said has no chance he's up there you know the only guy i got right was tiger woods who's about to miss the cut and that's i mean that's it so like, like always golf provides me with absolutely no way to figure out who's going to be where, um, but good for Justin Thomas, good for Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau. Maybe this is the, maybe this is the open that kind of helps him uh, reestablish himself after a rough season where there was a lot of potential, but yeah, excited to see what happens because Wingfoot takes no prisoners and someone who is in Tied for 15th, could be at the top tomorrow. So we shall see. Just depends on how you have on your day, and that's what makes the U.S. Open exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, even, you know, you got two you got two more rounds of golf. Patrick Reed up plus four. There's plenty of 
good golfers still even at, you know, two over. You got Tony Finau at two over. He's he's still in contention in this thing. Dustin Johnson, which was my pick, three over. He's only seven strokes. Oh, wow. He's three over now. Nice. Okay. So he had a good good second day. You know, like, I think you can be a little over right now. The key, the key is to do what, you know, DeShimbo did today, which was, you know, just get 200, 100, just that consistent. Rory, three over. So there's still some, some guys that, uh, you know, a normal score where you probably wouldn't expect them to really be in contention, but they have the ability to make up a six to seven stroke def- deficit at any time. All right, Jan, let's make our way over. The battle for Lord Stanley's Cup is set. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's the Dallas Stars. My bold prediction of the Islanders coming back and going on to win the Stanley Cup Finals falls apart. And it, you know, they had an overtime chance. But the Islanders, they just looked lackadaisical last night with the puck. Like, they never really looked like a threat when they had possession. They didn't get good shots. They didn't find good attacking space. While the Lightning were constantly putting pressure on the goal and, and finding shots and at least giving themselves opportunities, especially when this thing went into overtime. And obviously it got off on, on a interesting foot with, with the double penalty being in place. So, you know, the Lightning – or the Islanders, pardon me, started I think like three minutes and 30 seconds in the penalty and giving the Lightning a power play. So it started off weird regardless, but it, it felt like – both teams were playing just until the Lightning were going to find a goal. It, you didn't feel like the Islanders were really, were really even in it. They they were they were on the ice, but they weren't creating any play and, and they weren't looking dangerous to to steal this one, which is a shame. But the Lightning certainly deserve to be in the Stanley Cup Final. They played Dallas. Both those teams trying to get their second Stanley Cup Finals in franchise history. Personally, I'm going with Tampa Bay in six games. I just think offensively they are too strong. And, you know, especially with the craziness around this this season with and the pandemic and everything, you forget this team last year, 128 points for the fourth highest all-time in the NHL history before they were swept, not even upset, but swept by the 8C Columbus in round one in one of the all-time playoff uh, upsets. But, you know, that Tampa Bay Lightning team, there's a lot of those guys that were on that team with 128 points. They feel like they have unfinished business. You know, that that fourth highest point total means nothing without taking home the Stanley Cup. So I think the Lightning are, are zoned in, locked in, playing some of their best hockey, and they take the Stars down in six. Who are you taking in the Stanley Cup final, Jan? Yeah, I also have the Lightning at six. I, I, I do believe that the Dallas Stars will grab a couple wins just by the grit that they showed against a much better Golden Knights team. But, you know, we've, we've seen, especially in other sports like the NBA with the Clippers, you know, when a team comes back from a deficit, right, it, it, it's as much to do with the favorite not performing than as, as it does with the underdog coming to play. And the Lightning could have, you know, let it go even one more game and I would have been a little less secure with them. But they came in and they said, no, this is where it ends. Thank you for coming. Thank you for playing. Stanley Cup, here we come. They showed that they're the best team in the East, definitively. And yeah, I think the Dallas Stars are great. They will give them offensive headaches for sure. They'll lose a game or two. But it's the Lightning's time. It was the Lightning's times last season, and it's carried over, and it's led by the one of the best players, if not the best player in the league, Nikita Kucherov. And he's ready. He deserves his cup, 
and and I and I and I not I have no connection to either of these teams, so I do hope he gets it because he, he deserves it more than any other player I believe right now in the league. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm leaning towards Lightning, but I don't I like the Stars. I like and I like when this is the case for a a Super Bowl or a Stanley Cup fi- finals like when when it's the your Champions League final. Champions League final when when you're totally neutral is is really fun. Unfortunately, I don't think that's well, I was kind of neutral this year. I wasn't going to tell you that, but now that you guys have won. But yeah, I uh, I, I I feel well. I was leaning towards Bayern. But yeah, I mean, okay, I think I think this is going to be I think it's going to be a good one. And as you said, the, the Lightning and and Kucherov are just they're long overdue. Right, I believe so too. And it's going to be it's going to be a fun Stanley Cup final though. It's going to be an interesting one. It could go either way with how the Stars upset the Golden Knights, so we shall see, but it will be fun. Thank you for updating us, Matt. Let's go to the National Football League. That's right. Bum, 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 bum. We've got another We've got another jam-packed weekend of games, and let's discuss. We're going to make our picks for a couple of these games each. So let's talk about it, right? What teams do you think need a win this weekend? A lot of teams having disappointing losses over the first week. What teams do you think in your head, man, they really need a win this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I so I pick me and Yannick. We split the games up half and half of, of what we're going to pick, and we'll get to those picks later. I explained that just because from the question I chose my answers from like the games you gave me. So that kind of led my decision making and really two stood out to me in my games. The first one is the Minnesota Vikings. You know, they're already 0-1, 0-1 in the division and still got five more games. You got another one against the Packers and two against the Lions and Bears. The Lions are going to be tough this year and the Bears are going to be who knows what, but no easy slate in that division. And they don't want to get too far behind in the division race or the wild card race. Cause even with the seven playoff teams that the NFC and AFC now have, it's going to be a tough race. Like I, I think Detroit and Chicago could be in that wild card race. I think the bucks certainly will be possibly the Falcons and the NFC East bit of a mess, but as insane as the NFC East is the NFC West, I think all four of those teams are going to be in the playoff race this year. So the Vikings can't afford to go down 0-2 if they want to make the playoffs and be the team they think they are. On top of that, the Colts, horrible last week against the Jaguars. I mean, you get Phillip Rivers, and you're like, all right, now we got the piece and, and all this stuff, and just absolutely abysmal performance. So the Vikings can't afford to go 0-2 anyway, and you can't do it against a poor team. Secondly, I think the Eagles need one, and I think the Eagles need one more so for their own confidence after the debacle that they had against Washington. Um, the Rams are a solid team. The Rams got a good win against Dallas in what I thought was an upset in week one. So it's not going to be an easy, easy game, but yeah, I think the Eagles, I think they need this win just for their own mental strength and to like feel confident and good about themselves as a football team. What are the ones that, that you're keeping an eye on? Right. Uh, and I did something similar. I picked from the ones that I had. And, and it, in my case, you had a lot of more of the teams that I think needed to win. But there are still some teams on my end that do. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson and the Texans, as, as crazy as it sounds against the Ravens, I know that that sounds unfair. But with how bad, and I will say less about a win and more about a strong performance. I Compete. Yeah, they need to compete. They really yeah. need to compete. 
they need to cover the spread for sure because I just think that you know Deshaun Watson his confidence is going to go real quickly if they start to turn in too many performances of that and once you lose Deshaun Watson and his confidence your team is done for the season so I think they need a good performance possibly a win against the Ravens you know it's a tough draw having the Chiefs and Ravens back to back but that's how the schedule was made and if you can grab a one and one here you have a good chance for the rest of the season so the Ravens are one team that I think are in search of a win another team that I think is in search of a win the Broncos I think against the Steelers probably need a win again another team kind of like the Giants lots of promise lost a game that they probably could have won with how close it was and you know you got Drew Locke who showed he can be a quarterback you got lots of options on the wide receiver Jerry Judy obviously you got Noah Fant you got a good defense but you gotta grab a win the Steelers team yes they have a great defense we talked about it Chris really great defense right but they only, you know, won their last game by a little bit. It's not like they dominated against the Giants. So there is room for the Broncos to win. You know, it's going to be a defensive slog, but Drew Locke needs to come in and show that his offense is red hot against Big Ben. We'll see what happens, but I think the Broncos is another team that's in need of a win. And yeah, for the last one, I, I, this is less about does this team need a win and more about what a win would do for this team. I'm going for the Patriots against the Seahawks. Now, we saw what Cam Newton could do against against the Dolphins, obviously. And, and it was so great. And we thought, wow, look at you. Cam Newton looks great. And their offense tailored to him. But it's the Dolphins. It doesn't count, guys. Thank it, you. Oh, my God, dude. It absolutely doesn't count. I have and been wanting to go on that rant for so long. Like It absolutely it, doesn't. It was like he looked good. And it was great that he looked good. But it, he didn't just do it in the Super Bowl. Like, the 10 point winning is the Dolphins. Right, exactly. And and you know what? It was never they're never Patriots are never I'm not mad that they won by 10 points because the Patriots are never going to be any team unless they that team has a monumental screw up or it's a lot of defensive uh interception stuff. Like this team's never going to win by a, more than 15 points very much, right? Cuz it's a defensive team, they're a run team. That's just who they're going to be. But if they can Go Sunday night football. If Cam Newton can show up, if Bill Belichick can show up, if that defense can show up and and play a game with Russell Wilson with how hot he is, then you give me some hope about the Patriots. Right now, it's a lot of potential. Then you actually give me something. The Patriots can challenge the Bills if they can go in there and challenge the Seahawks. Because here's the thing. Russell Wilson playing really great, for sure. We've talked about it, though. They make him do everything. And the defense is not as bad as the first defense that the Seahawks played. They're not the Falcons defense. They're not going to let him throw four touchdowns. So that's going to be hard for Russell Wilson to do. And the Seahawks defense, not the defense it used to be. It's not the Legion of Boom anymore. They are soft. They're especially soft on the run. And so I think there's going to be a lot of issues for them as well. So I think the Patriots could use a win this weekend. All right, well, talk to me. What are the toughest matchups you see? What are the ones that like, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, if, go back around to the the Rams Eagles again. Um, Eagles, I mean, like we said, they seventeen zero doing fine They're against the easy Washington football team, and then eight sacks and two picks from the Washington defensive line lead to a twenty seven seventeen comeback loss for the Eagles. Now, Miles Sanders is expected to be back this week, which is huge because I really I think both these teams and. All you have to do, Philadelphia-wise, is think back to their Super Bowl winning year. Like, yes, it helped that Nick Foles played great, and Nick Foles was a little bit of a different quarterback than Carson Wentz. 
But the real reason they were able to still win that Super Bowl and make that run is because that offense was about running the ball. It wasn't about throwing the ball 400 yards with Carson Wentz. It was about running the ball. And so the Eagles and Doug Peterson's offense just works. It only works when they're able to run the ball. So getting Miles Sanders back, I think, is going to be huge. The Rams are the same way. Jared Goff needs to be able to run the ball. He needs, you know, like Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff needs play action to open up the field for him, to get him hot. And Malcolm Brown looked really, really strong against the Cowboys. I'm leaning towards the Eagles. You know, I mean, I won't give up my picks yet. But, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it all comes down to which team's running game is better on Sunday. Yeah, my, love that. My next one is one that's not too tough to call, but, like, it's just kind of a fun one, is Washington against the Cardinals. And I'm mostly salivating over this just because that Washington pass rush is fun to watch, and I cannot wait to see them go up against Kyler Murray and what kind of dances and and different think downs and such that that he pulls out of his ass as you know he will against that team, um, and you know both these teams earned surprise wins. I don't think either of them. I don't think anybody thought that they were going to win Week One. Let alone they both beat the division winner from last year in their division, and now one of them has a chance to go two and zero and and get the season off to a great start. And uh, so I mean that one less tough to call. I think the Cardinals are are the clear favorite, but we might learn a little something about Washington on Sunday. And finally, toughest matchup for me to call. You mentioned the Broncos. I'm going Broncos Steelers. I think, you know, this is a tough time of the year where we're not totally sure. We're not sure really who the good teams are. We, we know who, who looks good, but we're not totally clear on, on who's the real contenders, who's the real playoff teams. So a team like the Titans, we're still kind of suspect about them. Personally, I think the Titans are really good. And so I think that close loss for the Broncos, a young Broncos team, a young Broncos offense without Cortland Sutton, isn't a bad loss. I think the Broncos are still a, a viable playoff team. I don't think they'll win their division, but that has more to do with Kansas City than Denver. Um, and I think this week against the Steelers, the Titans are a great defense. The Steelers may be a better defense. So it's going to be another tough test for the Broncos. Even if they lose this one, I, th- I think they can come back in the playoff hunt. But it's a tough one to call for me because the Steelers' defense looked great, offense looked okay, strong at times, but it was still against the Giants. So I think this is this is another one of those games where we're, we're kind of figuring out who's who, and I think the Broncos could get it done. Yeah, I definitely think those matchups that you mentioned are absolutely tough. I have the Broncos versus Steelers as one of mine as well. Two tough defenses. Who can get past the other? It'll be a big showing for Big Ben. Can he show us once again that he's back? You know, Broncos, can Drew Locke kind of move past it again? You're right. The Titans are just good. So I don't hold that game against him even a little bit. You know, I do hold the fact that the team couldn't get the win despite Stephen Guskowski missing every other kick. But, you know, that's not on Drew Locke for sure. Right. Uh, Right. I have the Falcons versus Cowboys on this as well. Just, you know, two... like potentially high octane offenses if Dak Prescott can show up with his with his receivers. And let's just be honest, two bad defenses, two real bad defenses. Cowboys were soft and they got injured. So that who knows what that defense is going to be like, right? And we saw what the Falcons did against the Seahawks. So two bad defenses, two good offenses. Who's going to come out on top? It'll be an exciting game, hopefully. And finally... Patriots versus Seahawks is my last one. Seahawks have the better offense. Patriots have the better defense, which will be more consistent. We shall 
see. All right, Matt, it's time to make our picks. Why don't you start us off? Wundenbog. All right, I'll start with I'll, I'll start biasly with the Green Bay Packers game. They go up against division rival Detroit. The Packers are favorited. Favorited are the favorite. Not favorite. <laughs> favorite. Come, Come on there, Smith. They are a six and a half point favorite as of right now. As of what time is it? 7 p.m. Eastern on a Friday. So could change because they were six earlier. Anyway, as of right now, Packers six and a half point favorite. Rodgers and the offense are rolling, but the Lions always play the Packers close. I think the Packers get the win, but I think the Lions are going to have a lot of games like they had last week. Uh, and, and I think they're going to have a lot of tough, close losses because they're a solid team. So pack win, but the Lions cover the six and a half point spread. Giants against the Bears. Bears are the five and a half point favorite. Daniel Jones showed some good signs last week against that vaunted Steelers defense. I think Shepard and Slayton are quality receivers, and Barkley's going to bounce back. He still impacted the game through the passing game. He'll be able to run the ball better. The Bears have a good defense, but it's not the Steelers. Right now, I just don't tr- trust Mitch Trubisky to, to blow out a team. And also, he kind of plays to the competition. When it's a tough team, I, there's times where Trubisky will really show up. When it's a team they should should beat, he struggles. I think the Giants not only cover five the five-and-a-half-point spread, I'm taking the Giants to beat the Bears. In New York, the 49ers come to town. Cloud of questions surrounding San Francisco after a week one loss following the trip to the Super Bowl last year. The Jets are a perfect team to get said questions figured out. Nick Bosa gets two and a half sacks. Garoppolo looks the best he ever has in a San Francisco uniform. The Niners cover the seven-point spread in a blowout. Next, Rams-Eagles. Talked about this one a lot already. Both these teams were surprising in week one, albeit for different reasons. Rams could make quite a statement with a win here, especially in their tough division. But I think the desperation of Philly wins out. Wentz makes just enough plays to get a late field goal winner. They cover their minus one spread. Panthers against the Bucks. The Bucks minus eight and a half point favorite. I've been a doubter since day one of Tampa Bay. I have said that they will not make the playoffs. You can sign as many big to high profile players as you want. Doesn't mean success will follow, but I'm not hitting the panic button quite yet on Tampa. I think week one, you know, it's Tom's first year with this team, first year with this offense. It is a tough Saints defense. It's just a good Saints D or team, pardon me. As I said, I, I think that's probably the toughest divisional opponent Tom Brady's ever played. So, uh, you know, there's there's some excuses to be made. I think Tom comes out sharp against the Panthers, covers the eight-and-a-half-point spread in a big Buccaneers win. The Vikings against the Colts. I already said Vikings need a win this week. They're going to go into Indianapolis this week and get one. Dalvin Cook's going to get more touches, touches while Adam Thielen continues to be one of the most underrated receivers. Both the Indy offense and Minnesota defense continue to kind of struggle, but Minnesota covers. They are a three-point underdog, so they get the win as the underdog. Cardinals and Washington, aforementioned upset kings of week one, have their chance to make a big mark on the season. Washington could certainly be a bigger big surprise, which is why Arizona is going to win. I was flat out wrong about DeAndre Hopkins. He's put up monster numbers week one, and I don't think that's going to stop. Washington offense is just – Still too far behind their defense. The Cardinals win and cover their six-and-a-half-point spread. And the Falcons and the Cowboys, my game of the week of my slate. Cowboys are a four-point favorite. Both teams suffered week one losses, and both teams 
have playoff expectations. Falcons, back-to-back seven to nine seasons, which is ridiculous with the talent they have. And now they've added Todd Gurley. But the defense is poor. Only 17 points last week for Dak. But the Cowboys are going to find their rhythm. CeeDee Lamb is going to get his first career touchdown. The Cowboys win and cover the four-point spread. Love those picks. Love those picks. You think, how much do you think, of course, the 49ers are going to blow out the Jets. That has nothing to do with the 49ers. How much do you think losing George Kittle affects Jimmy Garoppolo? I think I think it hurts him certainly. I think it hurts. I think it hurts him like early on because I think like first quarter, it almost always feels like that's where where Jimmy G's looking. So I think I think it takes Jimmy G maybe a little longer to to warm up in the passing game. But I think they're probably going to be able to run the ball just fine. I mean, even in a loss against the Cardinals, Mostert tore it up. So yeah, I think I think it'll it'll hinder Jimmy Garoppolo kind of getting out of the gates. Love that. Love that. All right. We'll move over to mine then. And just so we're keeping everybody up to date, it is official. Tiger Woods has missed the cut at the U.S. Open. Finishes 10 over at the second round. Unfortunate for him, it's the 11th time he's missed the cut as a, at a major, as a professional. He's he need, He's got some work to do, for sure. He's got some thinking to do about his career in general as it comes to, you know, the end, I would say, very soon. Let's talk... NFL, though, that's where we're at. I'll start with the Saints versus the Raiders. Saints should win this game. They will win this game. It will be closer than people think. The Raiders played really well in week one. Josh Jacobs was a beast. He will continue to be a beast. I don't think the Saints defense has been, you know, pressured by the Bucks on the ground. Josh Jacobs will be more of a pressure there. I say the Saints win. Raiders cover the plus six spread. I say they lose by a field goal because we got to see, you know, the questions we have about Drew Brees in this offense, do they get answered? So I do think that there is some struggle there, but the Saints will grab that win against the Raiders. Ravens versus Texas Texans. I think hopefully Deshaun Watson comes back in this one, shows us why we think he's Deshaun Watson. I think David Johnson plays well as well, but I think the Ravens are far too good. I think they lead on J.K. Dobbins like they very much should. Hollywood Brown looking like the receiver we want him to be. He's got Mark Andrews and last but certainly not least, Lamar Jackson. Ravens win this one. They cover the minus seven spread. That is how that game goes. Let's move over to Chiefs Chargers. I'm not even going to talk about this one. The Chiefs will win. They'll easily cover the spread. The Chargers looked okay at best against the against a rookie quarterback and the Bengals. And you're telling me you want you want to pick the Chargers with Tyrod Taylor in a battle against Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, right. Don't even give me that. Division win for the Chiefs easily. Broncos versus Steelers. We've talked about this one. It's going to be challenging. Steelers-Broncos, who can win? Who can outlast the other defense? I think the Steelers grab the win in this one, but the Broncos cover the spread. It's at 7.5. Drew Locke is ready to play. He's got the weapons to make this close. Defense is going to hold out Big Ben a little more, but the Steelers do grab that win. Bills-Dolphins, again, not even going to talk about this one. Bills easily win. Dolphins are just waiting for Tua Tungavailoa to come in. You know, they didn't want him to have to come in until week six. He might have to come in week four, to be completely honest. Uh, Bills cover the five and a half spread easily. Josh Allen will shine. Fitzpatrick will fumble. That's just how that game's going to go. Bills grab two <laughs> zero in AFC East. Tell me if you've heard this before. <laughs> Jags versus Titans. Another game that could be close because Gardner Minshew Magic is not gone just yet. The Titans hey. are... The Titans are a really good team, though. The Titans are a really good team. This has less to do with Minshew than it does have to do with the Titans. They're a really good team. Derrick Henry, 
looks phenomenal. I think that the Titans win. They cover the seven and a half spread, but just barely. They're not going to blow them out. I don't think they blow them out. And last but not least, my game of the week, the Patriots versus the Seahawks. It's right now a three and a half spread. It's so close. So I'm not sure where to go on this one. So I said Seahawks will win and they will cover the three and a half spread. Not by much. I really could see this going either way, depending on which coach can get the best of the other one. But I do have the Seahawks beating that three and a half point spread. Whew, exciting, man. Exciting for some NFL. Absolutely. So nice. The so not nice. The NFL's back. Yeah, right. It, I'm I'm overwhelmed, but I'm excited. I'm overwhelmed. Whenever the NFL comes back, whenever I guess it's like football, I'm always like, I know I'm excited, but then like when I'm watching it that first weekend, I'm like, damn, I, I like football, I think more than I even realize because I get like, I get so pumped watching it. Oh, yeah. I got pumped in that Browns Bengals game. I was here for it. I was like, let's go, boys. Let's go. All right. Well, that's all the sports action we have for you today. But uh, we're going to cool down here a little bit. Matt, uh, I've got a question for you. What music? You know, we're all trying to get rid of the the quarantine 50. You know, it happens. It's yeah. it's, been, it's been a hard time. What music should be, we be working out to? What are you working out to lately? You know, I um, I feel like I have a, I feel like I have the douchiest answer for that's, fine. that's for fine. this one. Yeah, I mean, show, I, show I don't your care. Colors. You know, yeah, you got to Well, you know, I mean, as a runner, I feel like I run more than I lift. I'm lifting more, but as a runner, I always like want like upbeat stuff. You know, you got to want to have a good little beats per minute to like push you, and you're like, heck yeah, like I'll just go with the the beat of the song. So I always lean towards like EDM music. But then I like knowing I like knowing the songs, so I just search playlists of like pop, EDM remix, some some form of the, that like remix EDM pop like some form of those three words into my Spotify, and then usually there's some random playlist that has some songs that I've heard of, but then you know EDM'd up. So I like going with that, or I'll go with like a little rock. I'll get some Rolling Stones, some U2, but yeah, my real. My shameless answer is like EDM pop music. That's just like, duh, duh, duh. Cause then I, I just, you know, I run, I run better. I don't, don't know what to tell you. No. Yeah. You don't have to explain yourself. Whatever <laughs> works. Whatever works. Um, I have a little more specific of an answer just for Hispanic heritage month. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Puerto Rican artist Ozuna, but he has some kind of uh, reggaeton EDM music out. He's got a new album. It's called Enoch E N O C. And it's like nice and upbeat without being too much. So it's good for running as well. So check that out if you can. All right, we'll move on to another segment. Historical fact of the day. I love that Matt brought this in. So I stole it as well. Matt, give us your historical fact of the day. Dude, any any time to uh, nerd out over history and be like, I'm take advantage of that. That's what <laughs> that's all I was ever trying to figure out with the outline. It's like, how can I be a history nerd for a little love bit? Love it. Love it. On this day in 1180, at the young age of 15, Philippe Auguste was crowned the King of France. King Philip II, more commonly known as Philippe Auguste, he got the Augustus epithet because he turned France from a small feudal state into perhaps the richest and strongest European country of the time. He's also the first French monarch to call himself King of France instead of King of the Franks. Um, and he also, in the Battle of Bovines or Bovines in 1214, over England, 
It helped lead to the agreement of the Magna Carta, which is, of course, one of the most impactful documents in Western history. I am admittedly a bit of a Francophile. I love Paris. I just read a book that's called The Seven Ages of Paris. The first age is all about Philippe Auguste. French food, French movies, they just kind of have my heart. And historically, I'm, I'm fascinated by Napoleon and, and Philippe Auguste. So today, 1180, how many years ago is that? 40? A lot. A I'm not doing amount. math right now. Absolutely yeah, not. Ugh. Wait, 740 years ago. Love it. Damn. Yeah. Thank you. I, I I don't know a lot about French history, just like other than Louis, the you know, the sun god and um, and uh, and uh, Napoleon, obviously. But that's such, a, that's such a theater answer. Right. Of course. That's why course, I know it. Sun god. The sun god. Of course. Of course. Uh, mine is a little more uh, it's in America and it is a little more sports based. And I wasn't going to pick a sports one, but it's just really cool that this is today. Today in 1919. Halfback Fritz Pollard became the first African-American to play professional football for a major team, the Akron Pros. Him and Bobby Marshall were the first two African-American players in the NFL in 1920, and he was also the first African-American head coach in the NFL. So that's a lot of history for Fritz Pollard. Uh, Apparently, he was a beast when he played, too, so good for him. And that happened in today in 1919. We had the first African-American player to play professional football so really good and important to note especially in these times that we're in today all right matthew it's time are you ready for quick fire questions turn up the heat baby turning out the dun 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 all right let's do it Giannis Atenecompo won for the second straight year nba's mvp award Congratulations to him, winning defensive player as well, becoming one of only three players to do that. Taking into account everything we've seen in the last two seasons, is he the best player over the last two years? In your opinion? Not a war. You know, you know I, um, gosh, I mean, I. Because you would think. He gets voted MVP twice in a row. He is definitely right. the best two players. But is he? Well, you know, best player and most impactful player. You know, MVP is is can vary in that way. Yeah, I mean, I think I cumulative, cumulatively over the last two years. Yeah, I, I I think he is. Like LeBron hasn't been strong that whole time. We can like Luca was incredible in that series against the Clippers, but it's not like. Luca doesn't do that every day. Like Luca is incredible. Don't get me wrong, but I think people got a little hyped up on on that as if like that was Luca's performance each time he goes out. It's close, but yeah, no, I think maybe James Harden could could hold a candle to him. But Durant's been out. Steph's been you know a lot of guys have been out as well, which have impacted it. But and after the Clippers loss, I'm certainly not going to argue for Kawhi. Although right. It's not, although it's not like the Bucks <laughs> did all that better in the uh playoffs but yeah no I, th- I think he is i think he 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 deserves those mvps okay there you have it from the mouth of matt all right with naomi osaka withdrawing from the french open due to injury who will win the french open for the women and does serena williams have a better chance do you think this top player leaving leaves the door open for her yeah i mean i think i think it certainly helps 
Serena without a doubt, just, you know, for the fact that uh, I think Naomi could have easily been the favorite just with how she's playing and, and coming off the U S open win. So in that sense, it, it, it helps Serena just because an extremely good competitor is out of her way. I don't know if it necessarily means that much of a different, like, I mean, Ashley Barty, I think is going to be back. Simona Hollip might be back. So I think the loss of Osaka, whatever, whatever positive or like whatever aid Serena would get from the loss of Osaka, I think she's getting more hurt by the amount of players that are going to be back for the French Open that missed the U.S. Open. Okay. All right. Do you have a player in mind, though, do you think? Or you just you, you just kind of go? Yeah, I, mean, I, think Bar- I mean, I think Barty. I mean, when Barty? Whenever you, remember, you ever have the number one ranked women's tennis player, I think whenever you throw her back into the mix, it, it becomes immediately more difficult. And Hollip as well, uh, as I said. Okay, perfect. Ashley Barty, you heard it there. And finally, the tapes have been released since the Clippers were embarrassed by the Denver Nuggets of the excuses they have made for themselves and why they went out. It's been said that they were not together very long, that they did not see the season as a championship season, that they were just not a very good team. Players from their own team saying this, what do you make of the excuses that the Clippers have made? Do you agree or do you think it's a bunch of bullshit like so many people have said it is? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said for the fact that they haven't been together long. Um, I mean, I mentioned that the other day when we talked about it. You know, the big three with LeBron and them didn't didn't win in their first season. Um, Shaq and D Wade took some time. Um, it, you know, these these additions aren't always so seamless. So I think there's something to be said for them not having a ton of time together. At the same time. I mean, we talked about it. The biggest reason they lost that game is because Kawhi and Paul George shrunk in game in fourth quarter of game seven and were nowhere to be found. They couldn't hit a shot. So, you know, those guys show up, whatever cohesiveness we're worried about is, is out the window. So I think it's something to be said. I think this is a team that, that walked the walk when they hadn't earned it yet. And I think that came back to bite them in the ass. Right. Yeah, I agree. Of course, like they have a, they, they have on paper, they have a point, right? They're not like the first team to be assembled and then not, you know, win at the first hurdle for sure. But I also think there's something to be said. It's not like they're basically saying we were not the best team, you know, because we still have so much work to do, but you were up double digits twice in elimination games to knock them out. So you were the better team and you just let it go. So there's something to be said about like, it's not like you didn't have the chance and you were supposed to, it's that you had the chance and you didn't put it away three different times. So I just, I don't take that excuse as, as well as I might with, if this question being asked about like, you know, LeBron going to heat and such, you know, because it's not like LeBron ever got put in that position where he's like, Oh, Three one up. I'm gonna have three double digit leads and let them all go. Like that never happened, you know. So they were up, I do. They were up two zero in the finals. Okay, but they were in the finals, Matt. They were in the right. finals, right? But to the lost the match. I mean, I think Compared I think to- I think part of this too is like, and one reason this these sort of topics upset me is like, I let's give some credit to the Nuggets. 
you know, like, like, yeah, like Kawhi and Paul should have played better. And like, yeah, they should have kept those leads. But at the same time, like Jamal Murray and Jokic and all those guys, like they had to go out there and earn it. And at the end of the day, they won the games. So I think there's something to be said on that as well. It was just like they played a team that I think a lot of people underrated and also got really, really fucking hot. Right, exactly. And I mean, I think the final stamp of of the Clippers fate in this whole playoff series is going to be determined when the Lakers play them because if the Lakers go out and sweep the Nuggets and it's not close then there's a lot more to be said about how bad the Clippers were than how good the Nuggets were so I think that's a little different but if the Nuggets come and they you know go for two then I think it becomes a more fair point to make the the entire conversation about the Clippers though too like if they come out next year and they win it all every 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 critique everything that's been said is is going to be irrelevant it's not oh gonna, for sure it's not gonna matter so i think i think that's part of it too i'm like well i mean we're not i think this team needs to reel it in a little bit check yourself and like they still have the makeup of a championship team they're insanely insanely deep uh, even if they lose some of those guys and you got Kawhi and, and paul george which history wise i know paul george recently hasn't been great in the playoffs but Kawhi is like, right that, that that shrinking of him is not something we've seen a lot of times. So, right. I think it has. Yeah, I agree. I don't think this makes or breaks Kawhi's legacy. If he goes out there and wins it all next season, you know, everyone's going to forget when he didn't. I think this says a lot more about Doc Rivers for sure, you know, and his ability to coach a team where they need to go. It has a lot to say. Kind of reminds me of Pep Guardiola a little bit. He walks the walk in the regular season and can't get it done. You know, at what point do we start saying he's just not that great of a coach? You know, it, it, it does. It does happen that way. And um, and I think it says, like you said, Paul George has had a, a, a lot more consistently bad performances in the playoffs as well. But lots to happen still. Denver Nuggets play the Lakers tonight. We're excited to see it, see what happens. Can the Nuggets not only upset the playoffs, but absolutely shock the playoffs? Because this is LeBron's tournament to lose. And if they do something against the Lakers, this will be the most talked about playoff series in the freaking world they're gonna they're gonna win game one tonight because the, uh, the lakers just have to lose game one and everybody is gonna freak out and then the lakers are gonna win four straight right like every other game that happened this series <laughs> it's gonna be great yeah they did the same against the rockets the, oh lakers can't defend the small ball oh it's all over james harden and they lost you know it happened with the blazers oh dame lillard he's gonna come for the king I mean, this is LeBron James. He's going to lose game one because he wants that adversity at this point. He's like, please tell them to go against me, and then we'll see. And then he'll get to play the Heat of the Celtics in the finals. Has anyone lost game one in every series and then won the next four in in every single series of a playoff? And like, I I don't think so. LeBron's like, all right, I'm going to do that. He's just getting bored now of, like, accomplishments. He he has to make it challenging for himself because there's just not enough to – (laughs) <laughs> to make it hard on him. Right. He's like, I really, I'm I'm old for a basketball player and yet I'm still the best player out here. So I need to do something. Cause like, truthfully, I can't, yeah. I, the fact that I haven't reached a decline yet is ridiculous and I'm sick of you guys. Anyway, thank you for joining us. We've had a lot of fun this week, three different episodes. We're going to keep going like this. So many sports to talk about premier league, Bundesliga all kicking off more excitingly and we're ready to go. I've had so much fun this week, Matt. Thank you for joining me every single day. It's always a blessing. We'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Register to vote.
Cheers, y'all.